Hey, welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored you're here. The word Kalos means beautiful in, well, poorly pronounced Greek. But we're all about making known the beauty of Jesus. So why don't we dive in to last week's sermon right now. Amen. Well, we are launching a brand new series today called Stay and Love. February, Valentine's Day is coming up. And we are going to talk about relationships. And uh, I want to ask you this question today as we get started. But why did the two book lovers break up? They weren't on the same page. You know, <laughs> it's hard. And uh, I just believe that when it comes to relationships, it's easy to fall in love. But it's, it's hard to stay in love. How many of you here have had some bad breakups or experiences when it comes with relationships? How many of you are having a bad experience with someone next to you right now? Don't answer. <laughs> but it can be hard. So I want, I want to open up the, the scriptures, the Bible, and turn to John chapter 13. And we're going to talk about something very simple yet profound that Jesus talks about when it comes to love and relationship. He says this, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for your word, and I pray that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word today, but doers in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. The title of my message today is, is it possible to fall in love slash are you falling out of love? You know, when I first started dating Amritha, she was known as Amy Miller back then, and she bought me a book and said, hey, if you're going to date me, you need to read this book. It was a book written by her former lover, her ex. And uh, he is an incredible man with a great story. And she wanted to know or have me know about her standards and her past and said, hey, you need to be at least at this level. Isn't that right? Am I representing you right? Yes. <laughs> so she's raising the standards from the infancy of our relationship. I read this book, and it is a wonderful tale. This man, Jean-Paul, grew up in a nation called Burkina Faso in Africa. He was abandoned as a child and, and really fended for himself on the streets in Burkina Faso. And uh, some cousins found out about him and wanted to assassinate him at one point. He got jobs in restaurants and learned how to make money, eat food. And as a teenager, living on the streets, fending for himself, he became Christians or friends with the Christian missionary family, and they started to take him under their wing, teach him about Christian education and the Bible, and they made a plan for him to immigrate to the United States of America and to go into higher education, get a degree, and he said, I want to get a degree that will help our country rise from poverty, overcome some of the things that I've challenged, and really pave a way for the next generation to not deal with all the things that I've dealt with. And so he made it to Ohio, I believe, went to college had overcome all these adversities, and then he finally got an American girlfriend. So after overcoming poverty, uh, being orphaned, assassination attempts, you know, after overcoming immigration, getting a degree in higher education, he finally gets a girlfriend, and after all of that, he gets dumped. <laughs> the one challenge he couldn't defeat keeping Amritha in a relationship with him. <laughs> it's easy to fall in love, but it's hard to stay in love. 
<laughs> he's a great guy. I've, I've met him, and uh, I, I highly recommend his book. And I want to be his friend more and more. <laughs> but I, I just think, you know, it can take, like, one second to fall in love. And, I mean, what do you need to fall in love? Like, a heartbeat? I mean, you can accidentally fall in love. It's like, oh, I, I love this person. I need to buy him an autobiography of my former lover. You know, sometimes we, we just wake up like that. And it, it, the fact, though, about staying in love, though, it's a, it's a lot more difficult. You know, it is so crazy. You know, there's, like, 1,500 organizations in America, I believe, that help people fall in love, whether it's apps or websites, personality profiles that help you find the right person. But staying in love, it's like, what is the remedy for that? What is the chance? And that's what this whole series is all about, staying in love. Because we, we believe that while we have questions on, is it possible to stay in love? And some of us might have questions of, like, is it probable to stay in love? I, I just believe that God is the creator of all relationship and all romance. And God created us to succeed in our relationships. Amen? And so we don't have just a 50-50 chance of successful relationships. I believe with God, as we stand on the foundation of God's word, we have a 100% chance at a successful relationship. Hello. Thank you. God created relationships for our good, for our success, and to glorify him. But let's be honest. When we consider our, our past, our parents, the examples we've had in our lives, it's difficult to believe in relationships. Sometimes it's hard to believe that things will be good and okay, and I'm not just going to follow the mistakes of my parents. I mean, in my family— my great-grandparents got a divorce. My grandparents got a divorce. My parents and then second marriages with my parents resulted in divorces. In fact, the only relationship in my family that hasn't resulted in a divorce is the relationship I'm in right now. And so when we look at the past, and many of us can relate to that, it's like, how am I going to stand a chance? How is this even possible? And, and in our culture, it seems like, if you are going through a hard patch in your relationship, you don't think, I'm just going to make this work. You think, ah, I married the wrong person. Uh, I made the wrong choice, and I, just, I need to break this up in such a throwaway culture. It can be difficult. I was reading to how, some of these scriptures, you know, where Jesus says, do unto others as you would want done unto you, like the golden rule. But in our culture, it seems like we have a totally do unto others list like this. Do unto others as they deserve to be done unto do unto others as they do unto you. Do unto others as your mood would have it. Do unto others so as to get them to see things your way. Do unto others until you wear them down and get your way. Do unto others until you're ready to leave. And this is difficult to sustain and stay in a relationship when we have such a throwaway culture. And so we're going to dive into the scripture a little more deep. And we're going to talk about this idea for the next three weeks. This is a four-week series. And I believe that it's going to be a blessing for all of us. So is it possible? Yes. Is it probable? In Jesus Christ, amen. And we're going to fight for godly relationships. How many of you believe that God can have an amazing relationship for you? I know I do. Amen. So the first thing I want to share as we highlight this scripture Jesus spoke to us over 2,000 years ago, I want to read again John 13, 34 and dive into the 
parts of it. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. This is what Jesus said over 2,000 years ago, and it's so profound. It sounds simple at face value, but there's a lot of nuances I don't think our culture fully understands. For example, he says, love one another. I want you to notice that he's using love as an action word. It's not a noun. It's not something that you just find or discover. It's not like a hole you fall into. It's an action he's commanding us to do. Love one another. And I I believe that love requires action. This is an action word. I believe that you can fall in love by accident, but staying in love doesn't happen by accident. It takes work. For a relationship to work, you have to work. And instead of working, some of us are hoping that it just will work out somehow. We don't think we have a chance, so we leave it up to chance. And so we're kind of lazy lovers. We're kind of lazy lovers at times. You know, there's this song that I grew up with in the late 80s, early 90s. That was one of the first Christian songs I ever heard when I first gave my life to Jesus. And uh, it was by an artist group called DC Talk. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And they had this song called Love is a Verb. Not a noun, not an adjective, not even a pronoun. Love is a verb. And and to maybe create a spirit that glorifies the Lord and helps us catch a revelation of love and the power of love and how we operate in it, why don't we watch one of their music videos from the early 90s? Let's bow our heads and pray. <laughs> Pastor Rich, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Love is a verb. It's amazing. And uh, that's how we used to worship in the 90s. That, that was my morning devotion, just that song. <laughs> and uh, for those of you who don't know, Pastor Maritha has every song in that album memorized, all of the raps. So if you want a musical feast, contact her and have her rap for you. But I like this song lyric, love is a verb. It's action. It doesn't let us be lazy. We have to work to make our relationships work, amen? And so today, I'm going to challenge you with something that's going to seem very awkward, and you're going to wonder if you can say that in church. But I'm going to say it anyways. I want to challenge you to make love. You need to make love. Can I get an amen? Look at someone and say, you need to make love. You need to make love. Because love is a verb. That's not the full sentence. There's more. You need to make love a verb. (laughs) 
Ah, this is a church. Settle down, you people. You need to make, all right, now finish the rest of that sentence. Look at someone and say, you need to make love a verb. <laughs> Amen. And that, that's a phrase I got from a pastor named Andy Stanley, and a lot of this content, so good. But we need to make our love work. You know, I was just at a wedding yesterday. Like Pastor Maritha mentioned, we co-officiated a wedding, which is so cool because they're the first couple that actually came to Kalos Church as strangers. This church is only two and a half years old. They came as strangers, and now they are married, the first fruits of Kalos Church. So pumped about this. But we traveled to Leavenworth, like this Bavarian village two hours away from here, and there's decorations, and people are getting ready, suits and ties and dresses, people getting their hair done, makeup flowers arranged. There's so much work put into this moment, this special wedding, this marriage start. And I, I'm just, man, amazed by all of the intricacy and the detail. It was a beautiful moment. But I, I'm also a little convicted because I, I think some of our relationships would be a lot better if we put as much work into our marriages as we did into our weddings, right? And it, those weddings are special because we work, 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 work. And then they're just this really special moment. But I think some of us in our marriages, we're lazy lovers and we need to get to work. Are you investing in your partner? Are you waiting for them to make the first move? Are you lazy? Are you falling out of love? Or are you just simply failing out of love? relationships take work to work. Amen. I like this quote by Pastor Chris Hodges. He says this, getting a divorce because the love is gone is like selling the car because it's out of gas. You have to fill it up. Relationships take work. Second thing I want to share is this, submission isn't a bad word. And this is going to be kind of scary for some of us, Submission isn't a bad word. Ephesians 5.21 says this, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's a call for us to, in our relationships, to mutually submit to one another. So who submits in this relationship? Everybody. And it's something we're kind of afraid of. Ah, I have to get my way. I have to get my will. I have to get my needs. You know, in relationships, we hear this phrase a lot. Hey, I need you. I can't live without you. Notice how it's all about what can I get from you? What can I take from you? It's not I appreciate you. It's I need you to satisfy me. I need you to fulfill me. I need you to give me all the things that I want. It's a statement that seems romantic and full of love, but when you look at it, it's actually rooted in selfishness. I need you. What can you do for me? What can you give to me? But Christ calls us to mutually submit to one another. How can I enhance and enforce and advance what God is calling you to do? What God is doing in you and through you? How can I make your day better? How can I make your life better? How can I die to myself and prefer you? Christ calls us to love our wives, right, husbands, as he laid down his life for the church. That's dying to self. Jesus literally died to himself in an investment so that we could be raised to life. Many of us want to fall in love, but if you're unwilling to go low, you don't understand how falling works. 
Gravity causes us to go lower when we fall. But many of us in our relationships are constantly trying to go higher and assert ourselves. If you're unwilling to go low in humility, you will never tap into this command to love one another and actively love one another. And I'm not saying like Pastor Amrita and I are perpetually like trying to walk through a door and we're like, after you, no, I'll love you like Jesus after you, no, I submit, honey, after you, cool. I lay down my life for you. I'll go low. You know, it's just like, what do you want? Like, even this morning, Pastor Amritha, as we were in service, she, hey, what can I do for you? How, how can I help you? How can I ac- help you accomplish what you're trying to accomplish? And, you know, there, I feel like sometimes we're just trying to jockey for position in our relationships. We're trying to assert ourselves. And I found this to be true a lot, especially in counseling with people. The person with the least amount of love asserts the most amount of control. If you're constantly getting your way, that probably means your partner is dying to themselves and you're unwilling to. Who gets the way the most in your relationship? The one who submits the least. Does that make sense? But that's not the kind of love Christ calls us to do. We're supposed to die to ourselves, mutually submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. A reverence to Christ. And I know it can be difficult. It can be hard. And I don't care what you say, and I don't care what you've heard. Love. Love is a verb. Those are the lyrics to that song we just read. <laughs> we need to practice this. You know, in our house, when one of us says we need to go to the bathroom, the other races to the bathroom first so they can't use it. <laughs> we need to work on this. <laughs> After you. <laughs> you know, the third thing I want to share, based off of this actionable love verb is this. You can't give what you don't have. We can only freely give what we've received. And this is crazy because I think a lot of us in our relationships enter our relationships at a deficit. You know, there's this list that uh, a bunch of smart people put together about what does it take to go into a relationship as a healthy individual. Like, as a child growing up in a nurturing environment and how you can leave adolescence so that you can sustain a healthy relationship, what do you need? And they put together this list and say, you need massive doses of respect in your childhood house, massive dose dose of comfort, security, support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, and affection. Does that sound like anybody's home here? I mean, that's a huge list. I have a healthy portion of respect in my house. Eh, Encouragement? No, not in a Sri Lankan home. No way. You look less ugly today. That was the encouragement I got. (laughs) Comfort? Yeah. Security? No, I got slapped a lot. Support? Acceptance? Never. Approval? Sometimes. Appreciation? No. Attention? A ton. Affection? A ton. But this list, I don't think many of us would say, man, my household was full of all of this. And this is what experts are saying we need to have in order to go into a romantic relationship as healthy individuals. And I I think many of us go into our relationships with a deficit. And so we're looking for other people to satisfy these empty places of our heart and soul. And so what happens is we just suck the life out of each other. 
and we have nothing left to give. Have you ever felt that in your relationship? I just have nothing left to give. You know, my, my pastor growing up, he used to <laughs> grab us kids in the youth group, and he would, he would, he would put a, his hand on our head like this. And he'd say, hey, hey, Pardeepin. Uh, so I, was in, I grew up in Minnesota, Coon Rapids, Minnesota. So Pardeepin was a hard <laughs> word name. Hey, hey, Pardeepin, what is that on your head? He's a country singer. Uh, I was, I don't know, your, your hand. No, it's a, it's a brain sucker. Oh, oh no! And then uh, he say, "What's the brain sucker doing?" I, said, I don't, I don't know. It's on my head. He goes, "Starving." I'm implying that you don't have any brains. Ha! <laughs> uh-huh. Thanks, Pastor. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. God bless your ministry. <laughs> but the the brain sucker wasn't able to get brain food because I lacked the brain, according to my pastor's encouragement and discernment in my life. <laughs> but you, you, can't, <laughs> you can't give what you don't have. And, and can we be real? I think a lot of us have a hard time working in our relationships because we don't have a lot left to give. You know, I mean, I know in our, our marriage, like when we're done with kids and working and we're so tired, it's like we give, we give our worst sometimes to our romantic partners. It's like, I, I just, I'm scraping. How can I focus on you? And that's why I'm just so moved by the sacrifice in the life of Jesus. Because Jesus Christ, 100% man, 100% God, he, he did not, like, treat himself or, like, demand people treated him like that. He went low and said, I'm going to sacrifice my life to raise you to life. And that's something that's available for all of us today. For those of us who are, like, lacking in respect, encouragement, comfort, security, support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, and affection, and we're, like, in this deficit in a relationship, I want to let you know Jesus Christ can satisfy all those things. And for those of us who feel like our relationships are struggling and I have nothing left to give, let God be your source. Let God be your great refreshment. And that's why I'm so confident we can have great relationships and marriages and dating experiences and engaged experiences because God is our infinite source. And he wants to satisfy the depths of your heart and your soul. He wants to set you up for a great relationship. And that's why we have this series called Stay in in Love. And we're going to dive into this. But I want to challenge all of you. Will you work in your relationship? Will you stop being lazy when it comes to these important things? Instead of just hoping things will work out, will you work your relationship? Relationships work when you work. Love is a verb, and some of us, we've just given up. We've become apathetic. We're leaving it up to chance, but you have someone in your life that's waiting for you to love them. Don't give up. Don't stop trying. Don't leave it up to chance. Let God refresh you so that you can be refreshing for your significant other. You know, this whole subject and series really hits close to my heart because, you know, like I said earlier, my grandparents got divorced. My, my parents got divorced twice. My siblings got divorced. And I'm like, am I just going to be stuck in this generational cycle? Am I, am I going to make the same mistakes Am I going to get to that point where I just say, ah, our relationship just didn't work out? 
But right now, I think we have the opportunity to rewrite history in our families. We get to rewrite our genealogies. And for some of us, we need to make a stand that, no, I will not let anything steal, kill, or destroy my relationship. My relationship will work in the name of Jesus. My relationship will work. My relationship will glorify God. And if that's you in this place and you're saying, you know what? I'm going to get to work. I'm taking a stand for this. I'm going to believe that as I fight for my family, God will fight with me and in me and through me. Hey, I just want to pray for you in this moment. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If that's you, you're saying, you know what? I'm not just going to leave my relationship up to chance. I'm going to make love a verb. I'm going to take action when it comes to my relationship. Would you just tell that to God right now? I'm not giving up on my relationships. I'm going to make this work with you, Lord. I'm going to make this work with my significant other. If your partner is with you right now, why don't you just whisper to them, hey, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I love you, and I'm going to make this work. So, dear Father, we just enter your presence, and we're thankful for your word, your revelation. I thank you that you give us good things, and you set us up for great relationships. And, Lord, I just pray for a fresh wind with our significant others. I pray for fresh grace and fresh hope and fresh love. Lord, that we would not give up. For those of us who feel like, man, I just went through a bad breakup. I don't know where to start. Lord, I just pray that you'd raise and resurrect hope again for all of us. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Stay in love. Stay in love. What a powerful series. Stay alive, too. Please. Well, I really hope that you enjoyed that sermon. We're going to have a new one posted every single Monday. So see you back next week. And if you're ever in the Seattle area, we would love to have you join us in church. Go to kalos.church or follow us on social media at Kalos Church for more information. See you next time.